3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by David McDonald. It is Saturday, the 7th of January, 2023. This is episode 241. Welcome to the presumably thousands of new listeners we have picked up. Uh, this is the definitive number one podcast with New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is probably going to be our most listened to podcast of the year, David. People are desperate to hear our Wrestle Kingdom 17 takes, so... What should we talk about first? Should we go with poo or pornography or genitalia? Because we've got to put our best foot forward here.
2: That's a, good, a good, very good point. I didn't consider the uh, the pressure now that we now have um, with yes, what will hopefully be uh, at least a few new people popping in, seeing what we thought about Wrestle Kingdom. We do it every year. We do it every single year, and uh, it is a popular episode. Besides uh, the Kevin Kelly interview, that always does pretty well. Um, yeah, this and what, what do you think? G1 finals, maybe? Not in the past couple of years, though, that's for sure. Um, but yeah. to mean,
3: this used to be a big one. Yeah,
2: yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, look,
2: it's, it's great to have buzz again for this product. It's fantastic. Feels good. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, we say a lot of time, but, the, you know, felt like the light final like we always say, oh, the lights at the end of the tunnel. We just, just got to hang in, and we just got to. Bu- and and I felt like this was a definitive uh step into the into the into the spotlight, the sunshine, if you will, the pot at the end of the rainbow. We are Scrooge McDuck in the pot right now. So, um and from what I understand, decent financial numbers as well, right for New Japan. So, hey, look. You can't complain about much right now. got to be pretty happy.
3: Well, the game's up for us, David, because as everyone knows, we spent the last three years just pretending that New Japan was good <laughs> and enjoyable. So what are we going to do now that it's actually receiving this widespread critical acclaim? Right. Uh, I mean, we can continue doing okay. what we do. But yeah, it does. The suggestion here from Stilo New, says, fuck the wrestling off and just talk about food for an hour. It's so oh, good. I like that idea.
2: Me too. I tell you what I remember we were we were talking about doing something completely different and, and food was probably the number one hit um that in like porno ratings I guess uh porno,
3: <laughs> porno. Well, Boo, Booze's friend has uh, got that corner of the market. Oh my <laughs> god. What a
2: job that that guy has. I mean just <laughs> I mean how do you get that? I guess you know you know what I guess you kind of start like us and you just kind of do it cause you like it and then P- another person hears it and likes it and it just catches on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know though. What a, what a job that is. Grace almighty. And how do you rate? Like what would be, well, I guess you could easily rate pornography, right? You could easily, right? I mean, you're, I, I would think your genitalia is give you your, school, your stars, right?
3: you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, what what would the criteria be? We're like psychology, storytelling. No, I don't want story. Bumping, <laughs> bumping, definitely.
2: We need work rate. Work rate is very important. Uh, Mic skills, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um. Uh, I, here's the thing, too. I don't think I like. I like video. I like it shot on video as opposed to shot because it seems a little bit dirtier, I don't know, uh than like film. Like I don't want to – I don't want to like an art noir piece. I don't give a f- I'm on, I want I want to see some nasty shit. Um Yeah, I think I think how it's shot is important. I don't need a story. Uh I just need the general theme, right? So if we're going to go, you know, whatever. You know. I don't think anybody's looking for a plot. Let's put a fucking now, you know. Uh, you get your dick. Oh, in your no, head. I
3: accidentally got stuck in the washing machine.
2: That's as simple as it can get, and you know. And I think it's something all people can understand.
3: You know, <laughs> yeah, right. I hate when that happens.
2: Right. Everybody can relate with this, and then and then it's there, and it's like, well, okay, well, I got to fuck it, you know. Jeez. Oh, uh yep. This is the super J case. <laughs> We,
3: have you ever the, have you ever tried audio erotica, David? No, but I thought I
2: might want to. I thought, it, it, yeah, I might like that. Because I do like, because I think it's an important thing too. Like the, um, literally the acting of the performance. Yeah. So I li- I do like the sound. Like, what is it? Just like a bed squeaking and <laughs> moaning and all that shit. We should and get
3: then, a... You know, Gino Gambino to, <laughs> to narrate his whole erotica. That would be
2: and something. brought
1: his pants down.
2: <laughs> Let me see those cans. <laughs> oh, how terrible. How terrible. Now, a great moment in, in New Japan history we're coming off of. And look at us.
3: We've, just, ruined it. We've already run off all the new
2: listeners. Yeah, yeah, they probably already. Told After that. of the old ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we have three at this point right now. Uh, all
3: right. Well, look,
2: we can go wherever you want to go, but I'm assuming that uh, Wrestle Kingdom will be a uh, hot topic here today.
3: Yes. Uh, well, first, just a little bit of housekeeping because we still haven't done our award show. We're running oh, a bit yeah. late this year, we need to decide like. Next week. What should the deadline be? Like, will we cover it in next week's podcast? Because I don't think there's any shows to review. Right. So, th- yeah. do it next week?
2: Yeah. So, if you don't have your votes in by Friday, Friday. Yep. Friday's your day. Because then we got to tally all this shit up. Friday um, Friday's we- it. Well, I <laughs> <you,
3: coughs> don't recall you tally anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't tally shit. Um, so to, for Joel to tally, um, is Friday good? I think Friday's the last day, right? Friday, Friday right? Yeah. We'll be Friday. Right. And then we'll do the awards show or, uh, my God, how many years, five years have we done this? Many years, a lot of years. Uh, the most important awards, as we all well know. And, uh, yeah. It's just a uh, just a fucking house party we got going on here.
3: Absolutely, let's go straight to Wrestle Kingdom. Man. And just my overwhelming feeling watching the show was: you touched on it. We're back. You know, it felt like a Wrestle Kingdom. It looked like a Wrestle Kingdom. It sounded like a Wrestle Kingdom. The crowd were good. Commentary fantastic. Uh, Aramitha says, "Can we hear your best Gino Gambino impression to celebrate him being back?" I mean, you've heard it already in a, a very sexy context, uh, but yeah, wonderful to have him back at the table. Just the whole ambience, the, the the feel, the aesthetic. It feels like we're back,
2: doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I will say this: one of the one of the bonuses of, and I and I, I guess it would have happened anyway, but man, like. The, the new video production, um, the screens and, uh, in, in, to, in the Tokyo Dome, they, they were pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, it felt, I don't think there was anything missing. You know what I mean? Like in past years, obviously, crowds cheering was a huge factor and even the amount of people. And it just felt like, you know, guys were going out there and having great matches and just in a complete fucking vacuum. Um, and, and again, as everything that we've talked about with clap crowds, Uh, but in the end, like it's night and day, (laughs) it's just such night and day. Um, I thought the show, uh, even though I woke up at one o'clock in the fucking morning, dragged my sorry ass down here to do this. Uh, we opened up the discord. That was a kind of a spur of the moment thing. And, uh, that show flew. I, I, I really felt like that show and what it got over at what? five six in the morning um for me so yeah but yeah it was it was it was i thought it went by nothing dragged nothing there was at no point was i sitting there like oh well maybe at the main event (laughs) but but um yeah i i thought the the show was was outstanding
3: yeah agreed um i think that's reflected in the numbers that have come out of this. We've got the attendance uh, at 26,085, so a very similar level to Wrestle Kingdom 10, Wrestle Kingdom 11, which is before the big recent boom period, but still, I think, a pretty respectable number. I think the company would have liked 30, but I think they'll be happy with 26. And keep in mind, for context, that's only 4,000 fewer than they got for night two of Wrestle Kingdom 14, but we had that huge Okada versus Naito uh, blow-off match at the end of the double gold dash which was pre-pandemic. And of course, that was the second night of, of Wrestle Kingdom, but still, it's worth keeping in mind. So Matt says, New Japan very happy with the attendance, but the numbers were way down on pre-COVID levels. Were there still restrictions in place? I don't believe there were any restrictions. I mean, there was the little caveat about not being able to do very, very long charts or songs, but that just was a non factor in the end as as we said it would be. But uh Evan Denny says w says they got ninety two thousand four hundred and ninety unique viewers, thirty percent foreign, it's an all time record for New Japan World. So yeah, a huge worldwide success for them. Uh we hear whispers of something along the lines of forty thousand new subscriptions. Wow. So all things considered, I mean it's an absolute home run by by all metrics, but the hard work starts now. I mean, you got to do everything you can to keep them there. It's one thing, bring them to the table, but making sure they stick around. That's the real challenge.
2: Yeah, it is. And we've said it, you know, that this company sometimes has trouble with that. Kind of, at least in recent years. And again, there are a lot of factors that go into that. But keeping that momentum and keeping that um, feeling of Buzzworthiness and keeping that feeling of okay, I got to check out this next show, and I got to I got to make sure you know it's 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 on my calendar. To to, I mean, for us, we're watching everything, uh, but to have those extra people come in and you know let's have that credit card get hit another month and another month. That's that's the important thing to do at this point. That's they got to keep their eye on the prize. And I'll go so far as to say that they have things set up post Wrestle Kingdom that are to at least to me very interesting um and very um like it feels like some thought went into that it it felt like <clears throat> that we had a great show that helped build and and dash does this too helps build to the future and i think in the past it felt like it was Maybe not that much. It was, let's just get through this event. Whereas this Wrestle Kingdom felt like we're going to put on a great show. We're going to put an exclamation point on some of these feuds, but we're also going to, you know, have little teases and nuggets and, 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 and changes to keep people, you know, on board.
3: Yeah. Cause I mean, we'll talk about New Year Dash later, but in recent years, it's felt like it's been a bit flat. Everyone's been sitting around waiting for exciting new angles to whet our appetite and, and keep us watching for the January tour, whatever that may be. And I think this year they've really delivered on that. But uh, we will get there in good time. Let's start off with the opening match, number one, which was a three-minute time of the exhibition match where Ryohei Oiwa and Bolton Oleg drew after three minutes, a timeout draw. So I think just by... Looking at the, the timing, the venue of this, the presentation of Oleg Bolton, they have high hopes for this guy. Like This is not just a regular young line. He came out with his singlet. He looks the part. He looks like a monster. He's fluent in Japanese. I don't know if anyone watched the backstage comments, but uh, he is absolutely adept at speaking the language. And this is a huge spot to give a guy his debut. I mean, can you think of any other young lions who were given their debut at the Tokyo Dome? It's it's pretty much unheard of. But the fact that they singled him out and are presenting him differently, he's got all the skills, all the tools in his box to be a big star for this company. I mean, whether or not it will turn out to be, it's impossible to say because there are so many uh, moving parts and so many unknown factors. But certainly a promising start at the very least.
2: Yeah, on paper, it, it sounds like a slam dunk. I mean, I don't know if we can gather that from his three-minute exhibition, right? I mean, but I think the resume, the CV, if you will, uh, has, you know, everything that you're looking for. You know, he's not young either. I mean, he's not like he's 19. He's he's like in his late, or late 20s, early 30s, if I'm wrong. Yeah, he's 30 years old, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean... I'm not saying the the fucking clock is ticking hard, but yeah, they got to shit or get off the pot with this guy. I mean, we we can't go through the normal tropes of young lioness. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we, we're baptism by fire, I guess. Stick him in. I don't know
3: about that because I, I think a lot of it is not so much age as mileage. Because you know, if you've got a wrestler who started, the, look at Joshi for example. They start where they're. Young teens, so then you often get them retiring when they're in their early twenties. So, if this guy hasn't actually started taking serious bumps and working on the road and having that sort of physical and emotional wear and tear that goes with being a professional wrestler, then I don't think that age is too much of a factor, really. Well, I, I'm going to disagree
2: only in the sense that uh, when you when you add age to everything that you just said, that recovery time and all of that. Pff- Doubles, right? And in some cases, as you get older, triples. Um, I mean, a young body who is fit and maybe is able to not only take a little bit more punishment, but, uh, you know, recover quicker. So uh, that would be my only concern.
3: that's what steroids
2: are for. Oh, my bad. <laughs> right, right, right. Get on the gas,
3: my friends. Get on the gas. Um, All right i'm sorry all right let's move on then uh opening match number two is the kpw 2023 right to challenge new japan rambo so we had a lot of guys in there who people were surprised at not being included on the main card so we had uh, the winners were Great card shingo takaki show and toriano defeated Eren honare doki el Fantasmo, evil hikaleo jeff cobb kenta mikey nichols rocky romero rusuke taguchi shane haste taichi Tobihiro Ishii, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Yujiro Takahashi. Match went 30 minutes 37 seconds. Uh, SM North says, why aren't we all talking about Hikolo immediately eliminating himself from Rambo? I mean, Hinari was talking about that. It did happen. Referees didn't catch it, but uh you know, maybe we need some VAR for the Rambo. Uh, also worth pointing out, the first official elimination was evil. So, mm. you know, we got the, the crowds back, the cheerings back, people are watching and look where they have placed House of Torture. So that tells you quite a lot. Uh, I particularly enjoyed Kent's power walk into the ring. But, you know, aside from that, there weren't really any surprises, no nostalgia acts, uh, no you know, surprises coming from abroad. And, yeah, yeah, it was just a whole lot of nothing, really. I don't think there's anything that stood out about this.
2: Yeah, I mean, the biggest things were the names that you mentioned. You know, not that anything spectacular happened while they were in there, but it was just the fact that, there are a ton of names that, you know, they they go out. They but do. You, you they, could
3: make a really good card out of those
2: guys just in the Rumble. No doubt. And you know what sucks though? It's like okay, maybe it's an easy payday. Maybe it's a, um, you know, I, whatever you want to think of of how long they need to be in a Rumble. Um, a lot of those people that were in that Rumble were people that have been through the entire mud of the past three years and I don't know I kind of felt bad for him in the sense of you know these guys were there putting in the effort and putting in on the shows and and trying their best to work in in a pandemic situation and this is what all that hard work paid off to <laughs> you know in, in in a show that is super important now again we talked about it a million times. You know, it, it, it's good that they didn't just shoehorn matches just to shoehorn in matches. They were, they stuck to their guns. This is the show. I'm sorry. We're sticking the Rambo, but this is the show. Uh, but again, in the same breath, you know, Shingo and even like, you know, Hegaleo and guys that have, I felt done a lot. In the past three years, um, not really getting a reward, or maybe they did get a reward by working, you know, five minutes in a fucking Royal, royal Rumble-ish situation. Maybe they're the real winners.
3: Yeah, I was surprised that none of them appeared on Dynamite. There were some whispers that uh, the people not involved might be flying over to the uh, Wednesday show for that. So. If nothing else, I suppose this Rambo illustrates the depth of the New Japan roster. They've got a lot of toys to play with this year, so I'm sure they'll make full use of that roster, but yeah, there's uh, certainly plenty of talent at their disposal. Uh, Boo says, as the resident strong missionary, how disappointed are you that none of the regulars didn't even get a sniff at the Rambo? I mean, I can't really complain about that when you look at this list of names. You know, these are regulars in Japan, so if these guys... I, I was not watching this round by thinking, oh, I wish there were more people in it. Right. And you couldn't have put some strong guys in there at the expense of anyone else here. So, no, I don't have any complaints about that at all, actually. And we did get some breaking news about New Japan Strong from a friend of the show, Manabu, who has been reading Hiroshi Tanahashi's blog. And Tanahashi says that New Japan Strong is going to be finishing. He says that this recording of commentary is the last one for New Japan Strong. Uh, the New Japan show in the US will be changed. David, wow. your thoughts on this? Um, I, I, I'm actually kind
2: of shocked by it. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, maybe they just want everybody under one roof. Um, maybe they, maybe it's a cost cutting thing. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're not happy with the. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's odd to just throw in the towel after what you know, again, what three years? Two three
3: years?
2: years yeah. That seems very odd, very weird. Um it's easy programming. It's it's an easy live gate. But I don't know. I, I I I think that is if it's true, if it's accurate, and why why would he say it if it wasn't? I don't know. It seems a little disappointing. I don't see why, why, why. <laughs>
3: Give me a reason why. Tell me why. Anything to do with the uh, Ring of Honor? Do you think they're maybe getting into bed with Tony Khan and merging it with that? I
2: think a a combination, a, a combining of talents and a combining of of that is probably the most logical reason um because i think collectively if they can work together they that would be a a nice powerful mini brand for everybody right that that you know combining forces and combining resources and all that uh so that, yeah i mean that would be the only thing that i can think of that would be uh, a solid reason
3: why yeah, very interesting. Uh, it will be certainly an end of an era with no new, new Japan Strong. we we'll have to get rid of the strong Log, which I know is all our listeners' favourite part of the show. Uh, Fine, we will have to move on <laughs> to the uh, next match, which was the uh, opening match three, the Antonio Inoki Memorial Six Man Tag Match. So this is Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, and Togi Makabe defeating Tiger Mask, Minoru Suzuki, and Tatsumi Fujinami. So Makabe pinned Tiger Mask after 9 minutes, 10 seconds. It's just this pinfall here because Makabe, man, I mean, I know he's not wrestled much. And the ring rust is real, but he completely fucked up the finish of this match. Uh, I think he should really be thinking about calling it a day this year, and I suspect he won't be the only one. Real shocking here that they didn't do any Kazeninare that they all came out to the Fujinami theme and right. that gave this cheering crowd back at Tokyo Dome that they didn't <laughs> let Suzuki have that. But uh, Fujinami, man, it's just incredible shape for a guy in his 70s. And I was interested to hear that they're going to be making a, a movie about Antonio Inoki. I mean, the, the match was fine, nothing to write home about. I was more interested in the backstage comments where all the dads are sharing their memories of Inoki. And they're all really horrible things, like talking about him walking around with a stick, hitting people who didn't you know, perform at the level he wanted and okay. him publicly berating people for you know poor attitude <laughs> you know none of them had any like pleasant nice things that he did so uh yeah that was uh quite interesting uh, shall we say
2: yeah if you're if you you know were attempting to be a star during that time period yeah it, it was a, it it was a different different time uh and uh i, I would say in m- most likelihood you probably wouldn't be able to get away with a lot of the nonsense uh the discipline um the di- or excuse me the, the disciplinary uh actions um, uh, for, for some of these guys, but yeah, I mean.
3: And also, sorry, uh, asking Yuji Nagata of all people to share memories of Antonio Noki, who's probably the man single handedly <laughs> responsible for sabotaging Nagata's career by, <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, making him have, uh, shoot MMA fights against two of the best heavyweights on the planet in the form of Mirko Krobokop and Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah. <laughs> so he's probably still a bit salty about that. I would be. Yeah, you think so?
2: You think so? I mean, And this is a time when you, you you know, uh, Nagata was, you know, he was one of, if not the top guy in the company, at the time, and yeah, he just got fucking fed to the wolves, and and, you know, and and I hate to say it, exposed, right? Um, And again, the people kind of, I don't know, it, it didn't cast him in a very good light for. His remaining years on top because just of those fights and just to put him in there, you know, two of the best heavyweights of all time in in MMA. You it's not going to end well. But like, what is he? Th- That's what he was just hoping for. And here's the thing: Anoki always was fascinated with blending in all various disciplines of mixed martial arts and martial arts and but he uh, he just had this fucking fascination with putting his guys in weird spots and and that they didn't have any control over yet he spent his entire career putting himself in those situations the only difference is is that he could control those situations you know what I mean so just fucking uh (laughs) Look, when the book is written on everything, when Chris Charlton gets done that fucking Enoki book, here's a hint for you, Chris. There's a there's a there's a little nudge for you to work on this summer. Um, that's going to be a good read. That's going to be that's going that is going to be a fucking crazy read, no doubt. And there's already a book out, a, a, just just a full book on the inoki ali fight um that is really great i highly recommend it um go out of your way to read it because it is it is a very good read um but that's i mean that just that element of of, of antonio inoki's career is a fucking book imagine the rest of the timeline (laughs) you know what i mean
3: and look, we, we did do an Antonio Inoki retrospective podcast. There you go. We've done it. We've managed to squeeze it in there. And that's, that's the best you're going to get. All right. Uh, main card then. So first match was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match where the champions, Catch 2-2, Francesco Acura and TJP, defeat the challengers and the Super Junior Tag League winners, Leo Rush and Yo, in 10 minutes, 29 seconds. So TJP pins Yo with a necklock, which came out of nowhere. And I suppose the big event for this match was Leo Rush getting fucked up. I mean, he got his face smashed into the ramp and something must have gone wrong then because he was in a bad state at the end of this. And the injury is so bad that he's actually missing the uh, battle of Los Angeles. So we hope he gets better soon. That was really unfortunate, although him being covered in blood did make him look like a badass and did really contribute an extra layer of drama to the match. Uh, just, I love this match. I mean, for 10 minutes, this is exactly what you want, just the perfect way to open a show like Wrestle Kingdom. And credit to whoever is booking this division, taking this bunch of misfits and moulding them into the hottest junior tag match since, what, Wrestle Kingdom 12, since Robongi 3K versus the Young Bucks. And I thought it was pretty cool that TJP got the win here because it's a nice feather in his cap. I think he's a really underappreciated member of the roster, and he's done a great deal of good work uh both in Japan and on new Japan strong. And it was a really nice story with all you know these spectacular high spots and the match ends with an inside cradle that nobody saw coming. I mean, you expected a big tag move finisher, but you didn't get it. So it was TJP using his smarts and his experience, uh, which in a very believable way. And I think catch due to Deserve the Tokyo Dome win. They deserve to keep the belts because they are tremendous. They are the aces of the junior tag division. And, you know, given that Yo is going for singles gold, it may be well before we see Yo and Leo Rush team up again. So, fantastic opener.
2: Yeah. Um, just like you said, it's exactly what you want for an opener. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that uh, if there is any disappointment, is that, yeah, it looks like that tag team is uh, going to be put on the shelf for a while. Uh, and I really like them a lot. I thought, once again, you know, new life was breathed into yo who desperately needed it. Um and it and I thought they worked well. I thought they the team looked good. I thought the team um was solid. Like I li- I liked the dynamic between the two. I thought they worked really they had g- very good chemistry. I I I was a bit disappointed um knowing that that's pretty much it for that tag team, so. Um uh, but yeah, look, the match was fucking exactly what we wanted. Crazy, you know, car crashy, big time flying moves, <laughs> and then a finish that came, uh, and surprised everyone. Um, no one expected that. So I thought that was a, a nice little touch too, as well. Very good.
3: Second match was the IWGP Women's Championship match where the champion Kyrie successfully defended against the challenger Tam Nakano in five minutes forty-seven seconds, following the insane elbow. Uh, I was looking at Tam Nakano's outfit, and wondering if she was my Jewish sister from another mister because uh, they look like what appeared to be stars of David all over again. But I looked up, and these actually Kagome crests, which are uh, sort of warning off uh, evil spirits. But uh, cool outfit anyway, Tam Nakano. Even though you didn't win. Kyrie Entrance was fantastic. One of the best of the whole show. She just looked like a huge star. Entrance music's great. Outfit's great. The whole aesthetics of it was wonderful. But this match was really short. There's no getting away from it. And if the goal is for people like me to watch this stuff and think, wow, this is great wrestling. I want to watch some stardom. Then purely on that metric, it's a miss. So we'll talk about the mercedes Monet thing afterwards. But what did you think of just the match itself?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I felt like it was a shame that you know five minutes. We have a, we have a I, we have tons of stuff that they had to squeeze into a five pound bag. But yeah, I mean five minutes. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like everybody else got more time, right? I don't think there was a match that went under that, right? Um, right,
3: and you're that's
2: right. Yeah, and you're right. You want. Look, here's what it felt like. Unfortunately, it felt like everyone was waiting for a match to get done so an angle could occur. Uh, And when I say everyone, I mean people at home, people kind of knew the big spot was somebody walking down the aisle. Um, And that kind of sucks. And it puts them in a weird position, you know. 5 minutes get you know get as much as you can in but n- know that 5 minutes is your limit and because we got to run this fucking angle so um yeah it's uh but they it's a little disappointing but i mean plenty of eyeballs on the product that's for sure
3: sure uh then of course we did get the debut of Mercedes-Benz Monet, the artist formerly known as Sasha Banks I thought she looked really cool. I know the outfit was very busy and a lot of people had opinions on that. I thought she looked great. The move that she did on Kari was very weird. I don't know if it was a botch, but I watched it a few times, still couldn't quite figure out what she was going for. Promo wasn't great, but who cares? I mean, I seen so much stuff online. Oh, she fucked up her debut, blah, 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 blah. I'm not as upset by this as others. I don't think it's going to make the slightest bit of difference. She will be absolutely fine. So, I mean, the match against Kairi is official for Battle in the Valley. And those tickets are selling like hotcakes. And they are expensive. I mean, they have definitely pumped up the price of those since. But there's very few of them left. So, looking at the metrics for people that signed up for New Japan World and how these tickets are selling, so far so good for Mercedes Bede.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a sizable and noticeable uh impact. The oh, I don't even know what the, what the price tag is for her to be brought in, but they have to feel that they're able to at least recoup whatever that is. And from the sounds of it, I mean it it, it it's it's a solid investment. It's an absolutely solid investment. Now, again, there's all kinds of shit going around of her not going to AEW and her signing with New Japan and not necessarily stardom and all. I don't, I, look, I don't know how it's going to pan itself out, but it's undeniable that she helped make – this a huge success, and yes, I think. Look, the outfit. I'm, I'm not gonna curse an outfit. Who cares? Um, uh, it wasn't my cup of tea, but okay. She could have shown up in a fucking trash bag, and it wouldn't have mattered. You know, um, it's she. She brought it, and and I think, hopefully, it's not a. Quick hit when it comes to this. I hope, I hope that this is, you know, at least a couple of months and not just we're popping one house and she's back to the fed, you know? Um, so fingers crossed. That's, that's my only concern is the price tag, how many dates, how many, how many, uh, shows will she be on, uh, and her involvement in, and hopefully it's just not, I'm in, get my money, and I'm out the door.
3: Uh, Aaron writes in and says, "Do you think the lack of Kyrie Mercedes et cetera, at New Year Dash is indicative of the IWGP Women's Title already being an afterthought as far as New Japan is concerned? How often do you actually think the belt will be featured on New Japan shows within Japan? Uh, no, I don't need to see that, and I don't need to see Mercedes Money <laughs> her dates being wasted on New Year Dash. Uh, whether or not it's Mercedes monet wh- whoever is involved in this IWGP Women's Title, the intention, as far as I understand it is that it is defended on the high profile that a shows for New Japan so things like your wrestle kingdom uh, your big shows in the US dominions things like that so I think you know if I had to put a number on it maybe what we said maybe five or six defenses in the calendar year yeah
2: yeah I would say in that in that ballpark right it's not going to be on a you know road 2 show in you know Nagoya um, but, but that's being said, you do want to keep it in people's, you know, front and center and, and the company does do a terrible job. New Japan, stardom, I don't know, but New Japan does a terrible job of that, of giving someone, you know, an an opportunity and, and then, that, then that belt cools off because they got their mind focused on, I don't know, whatever the fucking belt of the day is this season. So that's my only hope is that that five is enough to, to keep it. I think it's, look, if you do five, you are, you, you do have the opportunity to make these matches special. That being said, you can't have them be five minute matches, right? You know, like we need to have a 20 minute match, maybe even a 30 minute match Um to, to not only make this scarcity of defenses, make it seem important but also okay when these matches occur we know we're going to get a banger of a pro wrestling match
3: yeah absolutely agree uh third match then was the iwgp tag team championship match with the challengers the winners of the world tag league yoshihashi and hiroki goto the team of bishamon defeating the champions FTR, cash wheeler and dax harwood in 10 minutes 10 seconds we got it david yoshihashi pinning dax hardwood that's what we all wanted <laughs> this was a, a great contrast to the junior tag match which was you know high flying top speed athleticism this was just grumpy beefy dudes beating each other up And that they beat the shit out of each other and it was wonderful yep. just uh, there are some moments like the yoshihashi uh cash apron suplex but just incredible stuff great creativity i bit on all the false finishes the crowd loved it. And again, this is exactly what I want from a heavyweight tag match at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, you save the 30-minute epics for smaller shows, do things like your Royal Quest. At the Tokyo Dome I what, 10 minutes of heavyweights having a fucking fight. And that's what we got. And as I said, Yoshihashi pitting Dax Harwood, which was extremely funny. You could tell from this, the second FDR walked out, uh, behind the curtain they had the boo face on but uh I, I mean I will say Cash Wheeler really impressed me uh, throughout this New Japan run actually I think he's the one who stood out I know Dax Harwood is getting all the blaudits but I think Cash has really looked fantastic so I do want to say well done to FTR I do hope we see them again because I think they've delivered every single time they have appeared in a New Japan brand. and I'm glad we got them and not just the Young Bucks again just for the sake of variety I mean I love the Young Bucks I think they're brilliant I would love to see them in New Japan again but it was great to see some fresh faces in the New Japan Tag Division. And they put so much thought and care into their work. Just the little details, like at the finish, uh, Dax's spit flying out of his mouth when Yoshihashi kicked him in the face. Uh, yeah, I, I love this match. I thought it was tremendous. I like Yoshihashi directing traffic, you know, barking at Goto to get into place. So that was really cool. Uh, and more to the point, you know, throw flowers at FTR. Let's put some respect on the name of Bishamon, uh, as the PWI have finally managed to do. They have evolved from two directionless mid carders into a pair of grumpy veteran ass kickers. They're a mean pair of bastards, David. They hit hard. It brings me a bit of satisfaction to see yet again Yoshihashi shining in a high profile match at the Tokyo Dome. And we need to stop hand waving these guys because they're a legit quality tag team. I don't know if they're going to be holding the tag titles for any great length of time, but thumbs up to both teams involved here. Thousand percent.
2: I agree with everything you say. Um, I, I want more FTR in my life, um, especially in a New Japan ring. If, if, However we need to make that happen, let's make that happen because I think it's, no matter how you slice it, it is a net positive having them in a ring uh, for New Japan. Uh, Goto and Yoshihashi. Look, as, as I don't want to say unsexy a choice, when it came to World Tag League, I think everybody was kind of looking for other options. And I think people get disappointed with that when, when the other options don't hit. Um, and it's a true, reliable and even, you know, to a certain degree, a fresh coat of paint on two guys that desperately need a fresh coat of paint. Um, who have, who have performed quite honestly, in big spots, outstanding. You know what I mean? Like in a big spot, that tag team can fucking deliver. And they did again. Um, So yes, when you get into your fantasy booking mindset, of course, it's not the sexiest thought of having Goto and Yoshihashi fighting for your tag titles. But at the end of the day, what a fucking solid choice. And dare I say, dare i say uh and i will i will take the big fat fucking L and you can stick it right on my forehead uh the, the that was the right choice that was the right choice and uh i'm i'm kind of shocked to be as into them after this match as i am uh, but, yeah, sometimes you just have to come to the realization that, yep, that what you're looking at is good. And as much as you want to swim upstream against that, <laughs> that's good. You got you, you to gotta acknowledge it. And uh, like I said, I think New Japan made a really solid choice
3: here. Right. That's my first big dub of the night then because I've been banging the drum for, for Bishamon for a while. So glad that they uh, proved me correct this time. Uh, MBTL. USC says, what's next for FTR and, and JPW? Uh, more to the point, I know he's an Oxford United fan. They've got a FA Cup match against Arsenal coming up next week. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one. But uh, FTR and New Japan, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be going back to WWE or what. I have no idea what is up with them. I hope they do come back to New Japan, but it's just so difficult to tell. Everything is in flux with the, the state of US wrestling at the moment. All the drama that has happened in AEW, particularly surrounded FTR and Punk and the Bucks and all those guys and all the shenanigans going on at WWE, it's impossible to say. Uh, but, you know, gun to your heads, do you think we'll see FTR again in New Japan this year? Uh, yes.
2: Yes. How about that? I'll go yes. Um, it, it, it's going to be... Right now might be the weirdest flux time when it comes to U.S. pro wrestling, uh, which has ramifications to other promotions around the world. Uh, But I'll say yes, because I know even though things weren't announced, which is kind of disappointing, right? Usually during Tokyo Dome shows, you get the list of – uh, you know, the future shows during the year. Um, I'm sure they have big plans. Let's put it that way. Big plans. So having them on that card, that might be a, that might be a good move.
3: Fourth match was the 50 minute time limit. NJPW world TV championship tournament final where Zack Saber Jr. Defeated red narrator in 10 minutes, 32 seconds via armlock crosshold. cross hold. So we got a bit of everything here. We got lots of grappling. We got lots of uh, quote-unquote strong style striking, kicking each other in the chest and the back. And then the finish was very MMA. I like the the flash armbar finish. It's been well built up by Zach in 2022. He's caught out quite a few people that way. And it's an interesting contrast to the usual sort of submission job you get in professional wrestling with guys stuck in the hole for ages and pulling faces and agonizing. You're trying to get to the ropes. This is, no, I've got to tap out or this guy's going to, Pop my elbow out of its socket. So I like that. I like sort of mixing it up with the the realistic, more sort of shoot style inspiration there. And yeah, what did you think of the match? I liked it. I liked
2: it. I I, I and I've liked everything from that tournament. Um, and that 15 minute time limit definitely helps, and it does create a pace and a and a and a speed that is, you know, you, you're you're not fucking about. Um. Were you surprised with Zach winning it?
3: No, I mean, I was just going to say about that. I said on our preview that a lot of people are thinking that this is just a narrative title. But I said I I thought there was no wrong option as far as the outcome goes. And it makes sense when you see what they did with Zach afterwards with uh, TMDK, Mikey Nicholson, Shane Hayes coming out and Zach joining them. I've been talking about last year how Zach Saber has bulked up. He's improved his Japanese. He, you know, he's got his nice new hair colour now. And I was wondering what that was in aid of. And now we know he's been being groomed to lead his own faction. And yeah, this this is the reason. He's the front man now. And I think it's a really good fit because these guys, they've got history together in Noah. And Zach is a guy who can not only, you know, he's a, a star in New Japan. He's a... a established figure. He's won multiple New Japan Cups. The the fans know who he is and I think he's the perfect guy to not only get over TMDK and establish them as a, a force in New Japan, but also establish the TV title. I think he's a really good guy to fit in with this uh, dynamic of the 50-minute time limit. He is a guy who can do those sprint-style matches really, really effectively. So, Ren, his time will come. He will be absolutely fine. But I think when you consider everything that happened after the match as well, I think Zach is a, an excellent choice for being the first champion.
2: Yeah. And I know what I like, too. I like the fact that, it feels like uh, there was a commitment on new Japan's part for Zach, you know, to have him not only win this title, win this uh, uh, tournament um, now leading a faction, he's as you call it, the front guy. Uh, I mean, that just shows additional commitment to a guy who is a top player and vice versa. You know, him really, I mean, he's been living there for quite a long time and, learning the language and yeah i I mean i i like the i like it on both ends the commitment um but i think new japan really look you're a leader of a fucking faction i mean that you you can't hand wave that that's that's a that's a spotlight a very bright spotlight um he gets his first uh you know singles title win i don't know feels like uh Feels like they're going to be doing a lot with Zach, which is always good, always good. And he's calling out what the, the, for the nurses, uh, the
3: fair pay, right? Like I think everybody, yeah, yeah, a- called out Rishi Sunak for that. But David, he hasn't logged into Twitter.com for a long time. So does that invalidate all of his achievements so far?
2: Why? 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 No, stop. I, no, <laughs> come on, <laughs> just please. Oh, I haven't logged in either. What do you think of that?
3: Right, you're cancelled, mate. Yeah. Okay, the fifth match is the Never Openweight Championship match where the challenger Tamatoga defeated the champion Machine Gun Carl Anderson in 9 minutes 36 seconds with the gun stunt, or kind of a gun stunt. Uh Louis says, how many Carl Anderson shirts are in your pro wrestling tees basket after that Tamatoga Never Openweight title match? David, did you see the star rating that Dave Meltzer gave this match? I did. I did. I was kind of surprised. I thought he... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I
2: I thought... There was a real good possibility you were purchasing a t shirt um and again, when we were talking in our in our discord um you know I was saying that is a you no know, I thought that was like a three and a half close to four like you could you you could make an argument of him putting out a four um Obviously, I so, like,
3: if, if, if he could bump for, properly for his own finishing move, then I would have given it a four personally. But uh, <laughs> that was a quite a significant portion. What was, a, apart from that, a very, very I, good match? Yeah. He worked really hard.
2: I th- I think so, too. Um, but yeah, what, what did he give it? Two 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 and a half or two and. Wow! He, he didn't even break yeah, the two, three. two
3: and three quarters. He didn't even break the three. Unbelievable.
2: Oh, unbelievable. Um, I, and I don't think it was that bad. I don't think that was that bad. Um, but look, like, look, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we're, we're, aren't we hearing whispers about, uh, Hikaleo's interest or, or interest in Hikaleo?
3: Yes. Yeah. We will get onto that later when okay. we talk about Dash, but yes, that's in the pipelines.
2: Okay. Um, I mean, not for nothing, but I've been pounding that fucking drum for, for years that, that this guy, it's tailor made for 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 uh Vince. Vince fucking beats off to Hickaleo, I bet. Ugh, that's gross. Uh, sorry, Hikoleo. <laughs> don't don't mean to put that in your head. Uh but yeah, I mean it does uh does seem that way. It seems like the boat's going that way.
3: All right, uh next match,
2: please.
3: Well, I just wanted to say fair play to Carl Anderson because he did, he, he had his working boots on and I thought he delivered, he, he exceeded by admittedly low expectations for this match. And I thought the post-match stuff was really heartwarming because Carl Anderson came out and congratulated Tamatonga because of course they got a lot of history together as the uh, Bullet Club OGs and Tamatonga had his daughter there. And his daughter was saying that she still doesn't forgive Carl Anderson yet, which is very funny. So they reconciled and, uh, so something Joe Lanzer was talking about actually. You can tell with pro wrestlers when they, really when it means something to them when they get emotional by looking at their eyes because they 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 drop the act of the work and you could just see it in their eyes that that, that real emotion is speaking through. so he tamatoga and carl anderson obviously got a lot of fondness for each other and yeah i thought they 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 did a pretty good job here all things considered uh ben says can tamer bring back the excitement that the never titan used to have i mean to be honest he's been given short shrift here when he was never champion, I mean, I thought the match where he got it from Evil was really, really exciting. And then after that, it was just Carl Anderson again in a match, which is good, but not great. So let's give Tabatoga some, you know, proper hardworking guys to showcase what he can do. Because I think he's got all the tools to be uh, a perfectly credible and exciting never overweight champion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let's give him something that he, that he can sink his teeth into. And then, then we, like, he's one guy that constantly you're you're like it's it it's it's absolutely there but you're a little unsure if he gets the right opportunities right or you know he, you know if, if it feels like the he has to always constantly climb uphill especially when it comes to like programs and people he, he's in the ring with and all that stuff So yeah, I hope it's going to be a a, a decent time with it because I think, I think it's, it's, it's important if we are ones to evaluate a career. Um, like this is an important step for him because, um, we're still kind of trying to figure out who he is and what he is and, and what he can become. Uh, like this, this, I think this reign is going to be vital for him to show that.
3: Yeah, and he's really done a terrific job over the past 12 months or so getting himself over to the baby face. The fans love him. He's emoting really well. Like You can see how passionate he is and how much it means for him. He's got himself into absolutely spectacular physical conditions. So, yeah, let's see a bit more from this run. Please, not a one and done like we had last time. And let's move on then to the sixth match, which was Keiji Muto's last match in New Japan, where the team was shown to Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Keiji Muto defeated the LIJ team of Bushi, Sanada, and Naito. And as expected, it was shown to pinning Bushi after 9 minutes 20 seconds with the Death Rider. And whilst this was celebrated as Keiji Muto's last match, I think it was quite rightly, equally, if not more so, a showcase for show to to get over him and his upcoming feud with Tetsu and Naito. But I will say the Keiji Muto bits were extremely funny, and It was just fascinating, not only watching the match, but the post-match and the backstage stuff that Hiroshi Tanahashi has been putting there, not just for the sort of generational, you know, past, present, future aesthetics of it, you know, the history aspects, but he was there to babysit Keiji Muto. Just, okay, of course, we've got the kayfabe stuff with him, you know, telling him not to do the bootstrap, which was very, very funny. that He pulled a very funny face, and I like that. But he was there to keep Muto in check. Uh, Like, he, he... was in control of the layout of the match and then the post-match as they left the ring you know I've I've said before people say Keiji Muto can't move anymore as soon as that match was done he was out of the ring like a fucking greyhound but Tanahashi was not going to let him get away Tanahashi was right there with him walking together with him down the ramp you know holding him up making sure that there was you know a bit of bugging going on for the fans and then for the backstage interviews every time Muto was talking Tanahashi's also got a mic and is going hi hi hi. So he was there like policing what Muto is going to say because I'm absolutely convinced that they would have watched all the stuff that Muto has done as he's run rush on over the Noah roster and thinking right that is not fucking happening here not on my watch. Right. It's a proper professional like Tanahashi. So he was there holding the microphone to guide the interview to make sure that Muto didn't just fuck off after you know one sentence like he did with the, the last Noah appearance, the, the Nakamura match. And guiding the interview, encouraging people to ask more questions to Muto, there to sort of jump in in case he, you know, tried to bury anyone from the roster. Uh, it was quite funny seeing, uh, Muto complaining backstage that the entrances were so long, he didn't get a chance to get all his shit in because he was saying he wanted to do all these inoki spots, but he didn't have time to do them. And that also his enduring memory of the Tokyo Dome was losing to Tanahashi at WrestleMania 3. And you can listen to Chris Charlton's podcast, Eggshells, where there's uh, an interview with yours truly yes. about that match. Uh, we did get the shout out from Kevin Kelly there so we love you Kevin uh, we, <laughs> with my gag that Muto was going to be in the car park by the time the match had finished sure. but yeah just absolutely fascinated the way that Tanahashi I think was explicitly given the role to don't let this guy get away with any of the bullshit that he's done with pro wrestling Noah.
2: that's hilarious because you know what uh, and, and, and a, an excellent perspective by you because I didn't necessarily pick up on all of that right but as you're saying it, it's like, yep, yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it does kinda all add up, right? Dude, this guy is not gonna sabotage.
3: He's not gonna fucking we're not gonna have a CM Punk moment here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously, watch it, watch the backstage. They've got him pinned in the middle. There's Tanahashi on, on his right and Shota Uman on his left to make sure that he can't escape. And just invite <laughs> more questions. It's so interesting.
2: Yeah. That's pretty great. Unbelievably great. Um, all right, so but, uh, like now he's done, he still has his main retirement match to go, right? Um, there's nothing else planned in a New Japan ring, correct?
3: Correct. Yeah, and that's a surprise because I thought the uh, Yokohama Wrestle Kingdom thing would be centered around Muto, and it's not. I, I don't know if that was a plan that changed because you know he, he wouldn't play ball, but yeah, this as far as it seems will be Keiji Muto's last match in New Japan. I mean look he's cut from the, that anoki cloth
2: <laughs> things things are a little different uh back then but yeah okay look uh here's the thing I thought the match was fine and you know, obviously it wasn't great uh but for what we wanted to do and what we wanted to showcase and you know we got a guy hobbling around the ring who can barely fucking move um it it was fine it was fine, and 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 again the idea of torches being passed um, and generations in the same ring, so it was good. That's fine
3: seventh match was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship four-way match with Hiromu Takahashi winning, uh, defeating El Desperado Taiji Ishimori, and he pinned Master Watto after 60 minutes, 43 seconds after the time of two. So Hiromu is your new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. I'll take another victory lap here, David. This is exactly what I said would happen, that this match was going to tell a story to get the crowd behind Master Wato and have them begging for the win. You know, we thought they might have someone steal the win and they did that in the end, but I think mission accomplished with Watto with regards to this match. He looked the best that he's ever done. Very smart the way they had him systematically take down everyone in the match and have them in basically compromised to, uh, you know, looking like he was about to win. And everyone coming away from this match, people, all the Watto doubters, watch this again, you know what? He looked like a star there and he's ready or very close to being ready. So as exactly how I predicted this is exactly how the match played out and I was really upset that Watto didn't get the win and I'll give the benefit of the doubt and I'll see where they go with him before I completely shit on this I'm squatting over I've got my pants down (laughs) ready to shit on it but I'll see I'll see what happens with Watto over the next few months before I do that and Whilst Hiromu does feel like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's champion again. He hasn't actually been champion for two years, which did surprise me a little bit because just everything that's happened in the pandemic has sort of merged into one big time mush in my brain. Uh, Hiromu said he wants to break the defense record for the title, which I think is 11 defenses. I sincerely hope that doesn't happen, but who knows with this company. Uh, so what did you think of the match? Uh, I mean, I liked the match
2: and and it it's at times it did feel like like I'm not the biggest fan of four guys in the ring at the same time. Um it's just too much especially with those four. Um and I think like uh, in a lot of cases uh moves were missed uh from from camera people just because there was just too much shit going on. Um especially in the beginning. Um I've never been a a fan of Master Watto, and I think that is c- clear to anyone who listens that being said um the idea of th- all all people involved in that match had a common goal of helping elevate watto um and you're right, people bit on and I bit. On more than one near fall. Um He didn't look bad. He, he didn't look like he needed to be carried. He didn't look like he was like, like a, a deer in the headlights in, in the ring. Like it felt like he was comfortable. Finally. Now, again, he's in the ring with some fucking talented pro wrestlers, but he, he, you still have to do it. You know, you still have to be able to physically do it. Um And the crowd got into it. Um And I think that that was a key to that match. Look, everybody likes the underdog. Everybody likes to see that underdog fight from the bottom to the top and get to the, you know, win the match. Everybody was on board with it. Everybody was on board with it, and and they didn't have to be, right? They didn't have to be. That could have been anybody else, and they could have hand-waved it and been like, you know, I don't give a shit. He could fight his way, all he needs to do. Uh, we don't care. But, but he helped the fans care, and I think that is the biggest growing moment for Watto when it comes to in ring. Like I think that was a key learning moment of of him being able to to work to make that happen, and it absolutely did to perfection. Um, with not, again, not only the live crowd but people at home. So, like if, the, if if that was the goal, which it seems like it was, how can how, how can you not give it an A plus? You know that's a great job by, by everyone in the ring to make that happen on a guy who admittedly struggled.
3: And it's interesting actually, because, uh, here at when he was a young lion, that was the one thing he was really good at is having that crowd connection. So it's interesting that he sort of lost that along with his confidence, but now starting to find that again. Uh, but as I said, Hiromi's the new champion. Uh, Andrew says, is there much more for Hiromi to do as junior champion? I feel like while all of his success has built him up, another run doesn't do much more, and a move to the heavyweight division would be much more exciting. In the hobby, it's not
0: easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? the fact that you're gonna get great matches, I mean you have you know one of the best junior heavyweights ever in New Japan in Hiromo um having a belt and pretty much guaranteeing when he's on the show of of the match being really great, so you can't complain about that um if you want fresh and new everybody wants fresh and new um and I get it, but what, what more can he do?
3: Maybe not too much fresh,
2: uh, but you can get consistent, great matches. And I'm okay with that.
3: Let's move on to the eighth match with the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship double main event. The challenger, Kenny Omega, defeating the champion, Will Ospreay, in 34 minutes, 38 seconds with the one winged angel. So Kenny Omega is on you. IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. Championship Champion. Uh, I, I've got a lot to say about this, David. Might surprise you. Uh, let's start with the entrances and um, just a, a pageantry, that sense of occasion. And some of the Kenny Omega entrances haven't landed we, with me in the past. Like the Undertale stuff that he's done is a little bit too dorky to be cool. But this, this Final Fantasy VII Sephiroth inspired entrance with a proper licensed music made him look like a fucking boss. Like, literally, like the final boss of a video game in the best possible way. And I get the feeling this is exactly the entrance that a fellow geek like Kenny Omega has always dreamed of. And it was very appropriate to introduce Kenny like a video game final boss or an anime villain because that's exactly how the match played out. We had Osprey coming out to his old babyface junior theme, elevated, and that's the key theme here of the match, elevating Will Osprey. Yeah. Uh, for people who pay attention to these little things, these are a huge flash and arrows telling you what to expect here in the match. Kenny is the big bad. Osprey's is the underdog. And even the excellent pre-match presser interview set the scene for that with Osprey pouring his heart out in a very real way over all the the struggles, the tribulations, the sacrifices he's made over the last three years. And Kenny just shrugging his shoulders and saying, that's a you problem. I'm just here for business. I'm going to put you away, take your title. But also there's that extra little bit of spice with... Osprey having knocked out Kota Ibushi in the Wrestle Kingdom 13 opener prevented him from potentially being there for Kenny in his last New Japan match in four years. So we got that Ibushi story bubbling away in the background. And look, normally I'm very suspicious of Ibushi being used as a dramatic device in other people's stories. But I thought it worked here because of what went down at Wrestle Kingdom 13. They could have just not used that. And Wrestle Kingdom 13 also, the last time Ospreay won a match at Wrestle Kingdom. So four years ago and counting. So wow. in terms of the story, we've got so much to sink our teeth into. Before they even set foot in the ring, we've got anime villain Kenny Omega. We've got young upstart Will Ospreay. Now, it's a fairly common narrative trope in anime. And, and a lot of fiction, to be fair, where the young pretender gets an absolute battering and proves that they're not in the same league as the big bad. There's many such cases of that. And that is exactly what happened here. Kenny out wrestles Will. He out muscles him. He out strikes him. Every time Osprey tries to use his athletic advantages, Omega outsmarts him. Osprey cannot allow the Oscar to He eats shit on the apron. Smashes his own back in. Everything that Osprey usually does to win his matches, Kenny Omega can do better. And Kenny is putting on an absolute merciless beatdown on Will. The the table that was the illustrative moment as he stomps Osprey through it, smashes his bloody head through it. There were some spectacularly memorable and violent visuals here and kenny's cartoonish uh over-the-top villainy worked well here when it was contrasted with osprey who's really earnest and desperate his, his struggle to assert himself the the spot where he did the shining thing but here's kenny the villainous cackling uh that worked here because osprey is getting absolutely killed in a really violent way so kenny's shtick looks grotesque and makes him look like a, a monster and make no mistake this was it was like an extended squash match Uh, Sure, Osprey got in a few hope spots, but for the most part, there was no comeback. We were all waiting for it, but it never came. Omega destroyed him and somehow managed to make 25 plus minutes of control absolutely captivating. Will's getting increasingly desperate and every time he goes for the high-risk move, Omega reads him like a book and lands something even nastier, like the the DDT on the turnbuckle or or the Avalanche Kreutz-Roth. Absolutely breathtakingly dangerous spots. That You know, these these could cripple someone with the slightest mistiming, the slip of the foot. But these are two of the best professional wrestlers on the planet ever. I'll say it, two of the best ever. This is what they do. They put on an absolute masterclass of striking and high spots and plunder spots and storytelling. This had everything. And look, some people might tell you that this was just a, a disconnected bunch of spots those are the people bent over with their pants down, showing their entire arse. You can safely ignore those people. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. This had psychology and storytelling in bucket loads. And a lot of people went into this expecting a, a, a flippy-do exhibition match. And there certainly was a bit of flippy-do early long. That, that was part of the story. But instead, it turned into a war. There's no other word for it. It, it was a, a stay-down match where Osprey ate everything, but he kept getting back up to eat more punishment because he's got more heart than brains. We had some AJ Styles bullet club callbacks in the match. I loved having United Empire guys ringside. They were living and dying by every twist and turn. They're not getting involved, but just, just, you know, reflecting all the twists and turns and reacting to it in an emotional way that resonates with you as a fan. And the the, the dramatic climax of this, this systematic destruction of Will Ospreay, that straight jacket suplex where Kenny keeps control of Ospreay's wrists. We all knew what was coming. The crowd are losing their minds. Osprey's on his knees, covered in his own blood, and that incredible moment of acceptance mixed with defiance—a final "fuck you" to Omega from a man who's mm-hmm. accepted his fate, spitting blood at the guy who's about to finish him. The Kamigoye, Kota Ibushi's move—the the payback for injuring Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 13. There was no crazy finisher reversal sequence here. It was just a straight-up execution into the one-winged angel. For me, a perfect match. Just perfect. Osprey after he's desperately clutching at his lost title as Kenny takes it away, he's in tears backstage about how he's sacrificed everything and he's ended up with nothing. You know, nearly a flawless victory for Kenny, apart from the fact that Osprey managed to give him a black eye with that uh, the cheeky Nandos. And I'm sure that was accidental, but just a, a tremendous happy accident in giving Will just a little glimmer of hope in the future that, you know, he got his head caved in, but he managed to give Kenny a black eye. So, you know, there's something for him to build on there. And, and you know what? The, the really crazy part of all this is, this is chapter one. Right. Now, I'm not saying that they were holding back, but in a narrative context, these guys, they've only just started their story. This could be two matches. It could be three or four. The sky's the limit here. They can and they will build on this because although Kenny got a dominant, dominant win here, what this match has done, just like Osprey's entrance music is elevated Will Osprey. Thank you. It's not quite it's not quite a, a Brett Austin double turn, but I think people are going to walk away from this invested in will Osprey. And, and that was the goal of the match for all the laps viewers, the new subscribers, you know just like Jericho did for Omega in 2018. Now Omega's paying it forward, the fans that came to see Omega will stay for Osprey. They, they get that emotional and dramatic hook with will Osprey set the table for war because now we've got two final bosses for Osprey. he can't beat Okada. And Omega just proved correct everything they've been saying over the last twelve months by by battering Osprey from pillar to post. This is Will's what I like to call the Kikuchi moment. He's lost at Wrestle Kingdom fifteen, lost at Wrestle Kingdom sixteen, lost at Wrestle Kingdom seventeen. That's three huge losses. The story he can't handle the pressure, so he set up that clear redemption arc for him. He's got to beat Okada, he's got to beat Omega, and he's given himself one year to do it. That's your story. It's simple. It's effective. Will Ospreay has got one year to put up or shut up. And, and Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega, they gave us an all-time great match, the, the start of a classic pro wrestling story. They will meet again. Could this main event again next year? Why not? Absolutely, they could. Could Will Ospreay win the G1? If so, is it going to be Okada that he faces? Will it be Kenny? There's a lot of questions, a lot of mouth-watering, huge money-drawing directions, all set up possibly by the best match from two of the best in the world. It's, this was uh, a, a gritty emotional, physical underdog performance for Will Ospreay, who's taken years off his career by letting himself be put through absolute hell, bump him like a lunatic, and let's throw flowers at New Japan pro wrestling Kenny Omega, because look, I like AW yeah. Kenny, he's had some tremendous matches, but New Japan Kenny, just hits different and I've missed him I've made fun of him while he's been gone I've talked a lot of shit about him but god damn it am I so happy he is back it just feels right there is something about Kenny Omega in that blue ring in front of the Japanese fans the different kind of reaction he gets from them the different kind of matches he have, it just feels more powerful and more impactful and more epic than what he does in the US so Bravo Will Ospreay. Bravo Kenny Omega. We, we set the bar at the fucking stars for this match. And somehow these crazy bastards over delivered, which almost beggars belief. I and mean, I said last week, this could be one of the best matches of all time. And they somehow created a piece of art that was way better than what I imagined. Uh, David, what did you think? Where does this stack up with you for best match of all time? First of all,
2: absolutely. You, 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 you captured it. You captured it. The the match was fucking unbelievable, but it was fucking unbelievable in ways that we didn't even see coming. And in hindsight, yeah, okay, it makes a lot of sense. But the end goal, Kenny Omega uh, comes in and you're right, it, it beats the living shit out of will osprey and will osprey is right there taking all of it uh and delivering when he can um this is chapter one right like where do you like just from an in-ring perspective where do you go from here like you know like the idea that round two or three because these are still money matches. You mean to tell me you won't? You you put this in a in a in a building in the United States uh, that, that that's not going to sell. Oh, come on, you know, you you want to put that in Madison Square Garden? Unbelievable. So the idea of and smartly them giving Kenny that title because once again he's going to have that title. And he's going to have that title everywhere he goes. And that becomes relevant to everyone watching. This belt is important. What you've also done is, in a losing fashion, Will Ospreay is stronger. And you've added an additional element to not only his game, but I, I really even feel like Kenny's game, too. Like, you're right. Kenny was a fucking animal. Like, he was just a beast. Like, just, you know, it added some uh, sandpaper to his game. And Will being able to take an ass beating like no other um, and still finding ways to, to walk out of that match stronger than when he came in is masterclass pro wrestling. Masterclass. Look. Is it one of the greatest matches I've ever seen? <sighs> probably, I'm not going to lie. Probably. It's up there. It's in the, it's it's in the mix. It's in the conversation. I don't know if it is number 1, but it's in the conversation. Um and the fact that they were able to do that in a fashion that not only got both wrestlers over and got both wrestlers, um, better than when they entered the ring. We have excitement and we have drama and we have simple, easy to digest storyline. Uh, uh, you know, that is the heart of pro wrestling now, but magnified a trillion times just because of the two guys that are involved in it. Imagine the promos leading up to that. Imagine just, you know, the people salivating for, people are salivating for round two. They are salivating for it. And for the first time in a very long time, Joel, we can sit here proudly doing a new Japan pro wrestling podcast that we have done for many years and sit here and confidently say, it felt like we're back. And, and I think, to me, more than anything else, we've established the fact that we have a star in Will Osprey. We've established the fact that Kenny Omega in New Japan Pro Wrestling needs to be. It just needs to be. Now, again, AEW, He could, we need to have Kenny in a New Japan Pro Wrestling ring. It, it, it's... He is he is that important. He is that good. Like like for all the ball busting we have done throughout the years on Kenny Omega, he fucking delivers, delivers, and not only again gives you the great match. He he he. This is a defining moment in Will Osprey's career where he already was. A guy who you knew you could count on for great matches. I mean, wrestler of the year, I think, for, for for me anyway, he's a lock. And now he's elevated himself further. Think of that. Joel, he was wrestler of the fucking year. At least in my eyes, we'll see how the votes tally up. He was wrestler of the fucking year. And he's even bigger and stronger and more important. After he left that match, un fucking believable. And that's, I, you know, that's both guys, but you know, you got to tip your cap to Kenny on that too, because he, he was, he was a big key in that happening. So look, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to round two. I want round two. I think everybody wants round two. And I'm telling you where, whatever building they want to fucking put that, that's going to sell. That's going to sell. And 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 trust me, I'll I'll be one of those people buying a ticket for sure.
3: Uh, Bash says, uh, where do you think the rematch happens for Osprey Omega? Do you think it makes sense for AEW show in London? Uh, I'm thinking it's way bigger than that. I'm afraid AEW yeah. uh, show in London is going to sell out whatever they they put. But Osprey Omega two, if they do it in the states on an AEW show, that could you know do big big money.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking MSG. I'm talking. Uh, United Center, Chicago, I'm talking, you know, at one point there was a lot of whispers about a, a outdoor show um, with AEW. So maybe that might go back on the table, but no, it's going to be, it's going to be big because it can be big and not many companies have that positional power of having This type of match that could equal what might be one of the greatest, you know, three, four match sets. Um, Here's what it is, too. For the first time, we're talking about a, a series of matches. And again, maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But we're talking about the possibility of a series of matches that, A for the first time doesn't involve okada <laughs> you know like when we talk about this this doesn't involve okada to a certain degree it can like he could be weaved in and 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 that would be great you know because there there are two bosses that will has to get through eventually but to have this this in their back pocket and again kenny to be very clear is an AEW guy right He's not a new Japan. He's not signed a, a you know, two-year deal, and he's living. The, that's not happening. But to have him involved as much as possible, I, I, I this, the sky is the fucking limit. And to, again, to have that in your back pocket as a pro wrestling company, you got to feel really fucking good knowing that you have that.
3: And also, not only have we elevated Will Ospreay, we've elevated the US title here. Yep. And Will Ospreay's reign was tremendous. After so if we won it from Sanana at Dominion, there was the Orange-Cassidy match, the Fiddley match, Naito, Shota, Kenny... That is a great run with the belt. Maybe one of the best ever. And that title, to me, it feels important now having this caliber of matches. So, uh, Roberto says, why did Osprey have to drop the belt to Omega? I understand the US belt actually being in the US for a stretch, but did they try that before with Moxie and with what result? Maybe I just wanted to see Will go over. And Wrestling Dad says, after Kenny defends against Cobb, shouldn't he have a variety? Should, should he have a variety in his opponents or do you think it's going to be title defenses versus the whole of United Empire? So Jeff Cobb looks like he's up next. That looks like it might be happening on an AEW show. But I mean, Kenny has said that he wants to wrestle against uh, Shingo and Despi and Hirobu. So who knows what direction it's going to take? But I think this is a, a, a situation where I think Osprey losing the title does more for him than winning it because, Absolutely. like I said, you have got that emotional bind and you want to see him, you know, get his redemption. So. I, I love watching Will Osprey. I think he's a great wrestler, and I, I don't think it mattered who lost it. No, actually, it did matter who lost it. I think it's really important that Osprey lost the match. after you watch the match, then it makes total sense for the story for for Osprey to lose it. Yeah, yeah, and and again, giving giving
2: giving Kenny the title, it just helps elevate the title even more. I think, and and the chase is yeah, is vital. defend that dynamite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, in hindsight, it makes perfect sense, and the and, and the fact that they did that. And again, this is a new management crew, right? This is a new management crew. The fact that New Japan Pro Wrestling did this is, again, I got to tip my captain New Japan. Tip my captain New Japan. Captain New Japan. uh, They Captain New Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The fact that they said, okay. I mean, if if that if that doesn't tell you that bygones have been or bygones and water is under the bridge and let's make some money together, uh, boy, I don't know what will. Um, and I you you have to you have to give both parties credit for a situation that didn't end on the best of terms. They figured it out. They they worked it out. New Japan gave, you know. The belt to Kenny. I think, I think like that's not only is that a positive, but that is exciting. <laughs> you know, that is exciting. And we're making stars, and I love it. I absolutely fucking love it. And look, in ring, just an outstanding fucking match, but I think the ramifications are even cooler. You know, I think the ramifications are even cooler.
3: Antonio says, you guys know that Kenny Omega won the US Championship, right? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. So there was a rumour from uh Dave Meltzer that Kenny Omega did not re-sign with AEW, that his contract will expire in February. Will he re-sign with New Japan, like Cody did with WWE, or stay with AEW to do New Japan gigs? Uh, I would lead more towards the latter. I think he'll stay with AW, but I think we'll be seeing a lot more of Kenny Omega in New Japan this year, especially seeing how that match went at WrestleKid. I'm sure he is just chomping at the bit to get back over to Japan to do more of that. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's got to be exciting for him. You know, it's got to be exciting for him. I mean, everywhere he goes, he, he he hits the ball out of the park, but you know, that's got to feel good for him too. Kind of a little redemption from, for Kenny. Um, let me ask you a question with this seemingly Uh, handshake between New Japan and Kenny. Does this heighten
3: chances of Kota Ibushi popping back? That was my hot take last week, wasn't it? I said, I think we will get Ibushi versus Omega this year. And I think that's something that could, you know, bringing Kenny back to the table we saw Ibushi talking with, who was he with? Was he with Sugabayashi and Obari at the, the recent, yeah uh, yeah was it, the Gabriel Ujima event? So, you know, maybe that was just working out details of his release. Or maybe they were saying, look, we got Kenny back at the table. You want to do something big here? You know, not just for the money, because it sounds like he's got plenty of his own money, but just in terms of creative fulfillment, who knows? There's so many possibilities now that Kenny Omega's back on board
2: it's amazing how one guy makes that you know talk about the straw that stirs the drink i mean the, the the possibilities now are are i don't want to say endless but boy i i mean
3: do you think if bush is watching that i hope going, no i don't want any part of that not interested right i don't think so i i i think i honestly
2: think that like a key to at the, at the very least work on a amicable split and maybe we'll see in a couple, you know, I mean, just let's, let's just cool down the fucking temperature a little bit. Um, And I think Kenny, the possibility of, of him working with the company again helps in that. Uh, I don't, I don't see how it hurts. I don't, I don't see, you know, I don't, I don't see it doing anything but helping. So, I mean, to me, that's, Exciting because there's another guy that, you know, sorely missed, in my eyes, sorely missed. And if it's Kenny that makes him put on the trunks again and the boots,
3: let's go for it. Let's fucking do it. Okay, let's move on to discuss the main event here, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Double main event, Kazuchika Okada, the winner of the G1 Climax, defeating the champion, Jay White, 33 minutes, 3 seconds with a rainmaker. So Kazuchika Okada becomes the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. So you know, we got all the Anoki visuals, we got Okada wearing his black trunks and Jay White in his white pants. They look really angry. Okada looked angry. They were like, surprisingly short entrances after all the, the hubbub and you know, the fanciness of the Omega and uh, Osprey entrances, there was very, like, relatively little fanfare for Okada and J.Y. He just got, Okada just came stomping out in his inoki robe, just looking quite pissed off. And I don't know if that was uh, a shoot or what, but he was just laying in the strikes really, really stiff in this match. Both of them were, actually. But Okada in particular, he seemed to be working very, very snug. And uh, I mean, this was a tricky one to rate because it came right after what is you know one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. So we're still on a countdown for that, and everyone was still talking about the Osprey Omega match while this match was going on. So I, I have had to watch it a second time, and I do think it is a, an excellent match, but just the timing of the placement really hurt them here. And they did really; they both worked really hard. There were some nice callbacks to the Wrestle Kingdom 13 shock finish. They they played back to that, and Okada kicking out of the uh, Blade Runner was a big surprise. They escalated on that with them stealing each other's finishing moves. They did all the tribute spots with the Noki, the and Giri, the Cobra Flosion uh, and a Raymaker that just turned Jay White inside out. Just, you know, larrying him out of his boots. It, it was tremendous. So it was a really, really good match and maybe the best that the two of them have had together. Certainly up in the top three. But, like I said, very, very good. Was it good enough for the spot? I don't know. It, it's really hard for me to fault either of them for the effort or for the layout of the match. Like I said, probably the best match between them. But on any other Wrestle Kingdom, I think it would have been a fitting end to the show. But just because the bar had been raised so high by Osprey and Omega, this one just fell flat at the time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I it, it did them no favors, that's for sure. I'm sure they were sitting in the back kind of doing a sigh. (laughs) You know, like, oh, what the fuck? How how are we going to do this? Um, So it's a tough spot to be in, yes. Uh, That being said, Wrestle Kingdom has a long history of having a match that you think cannot be topped and then it's topped. Um, And there are people that have had that happen, right? They... You know, had to follow Shinsuke and Ibushi. They had to follow Shinsuke and AJ Styles. They had to follow. You know, I
3: remember Wrestle Kingdom Eleven. People saying after the Tanahashi Naito Intercontinental match, like, oh, there's no way Kenny and Okada are going to be top in that. And look right. what happened. Right. I mean, it can be done. So
2: while I do agree with you that it is a tough spot to be in, uh, it 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 the best of the best make it happen. Okada was in that mix multiple times multiple times. So if there is a loose end or a squeaky wheel or or whatever you want to call it uh that's j white that's that's j white. Now that is not to say j white is a bad wrestler. That is not to say j white is Not worthy of that spot. By no stretch of the imagination am I saying that. But what I am saying is this. He is not a guy that's going to deliver a match that can top what we saw in the semi-main event. He is not Hiroshi Tanahashi. He is not Okada. He is not Naito. He is not Ibushi he is Jay White and Jay White has a ceiling. I'm sorry. He is a great pro wrestler. He is a great interview. He has charisma. He has a a psychotic energy. Absolutely. He is a star, but I would not want him in that position because he can't, deliver that sorry and here's the thing not many people can not many new japan has been very blessed in the fact that they have had so many talented guys be able to do that i can't put jay in that in that category i just can't i don't think anybody can and i think unfortunately when we talk about bars being set Wrestle Kingdom main events have that bar. It's there. I'm sorry. We, we can, we can ignore it, but it's there. And he isn't a guy that can make that move over that line. He is not a guy that can deliver a Wrestle Kingdom main event epic match. Period. That doesn't mean he's a bad wrestler, Joel. That just means that he he's not one of five, six, seven guys. Maybe that can do that. Whether whatever the reason is, he's just not. And and that is not a dig on on Jay White. That is not a. But look, all throughout this year, it's been a little bit of a struggle with Jay. And here we are right? Here we are. So good match. I thought it was a very good match. Very good match. It was outshined.
3: Definitely. I agree with you. I think, I'll add a caveat. I think heel Jay White has a ceiling. Babyface Jay White, you know, who could uh, let off the leash to do all the kind of crowd-pleasing stuff that all our favourites do, who knows. But again, as Booz always says, Krusty is coming. I'll believe that when I see it. So I'm not going to be holding my breath for babyface Jay White because as we'll get, when we'll talk about New Year Dash, a lot of question marks over whether he will actually still be with the company or not. But um thoughts on Okada kind of retaining. Uh, Stuart says uh, thoughts on kind Okada of potentially holding the belt for all of 2023, especially since there's not that many people besides like maybe Osprey and Naito who could take the belt from him right now. I think it's a smart move.
2: Look, he's he's that on that roster. He's you know top three. I think that's that's an easy statement. And I know everybody. I'm tired of Okada. Okay, well he's he's really fucking good, right? And 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 he does have a a certain way of taking that title and making it important and making the matches important. And every time it feels like like uh, an epic title defense. Um. So, no, I mean, look, everybody knew it was bound to happen. Like, that was the direction they were going. I got no problem with it. I think he should hold on to it for a long time. Long time.
3: All right. Well, that was Wrestle Kingdom 17, a tremendous show, top to bottom. Uh, That'll bring us on to talking about New Year Dash, which took place Thursday, January the 5th at the Ota City General Gymnasium. So you know, rather than discussing all the matches here, because you know some of them were just there, let's talk about the events that took place. I mean, first of all, there's been a lot of speculation about Suzuki-gun and their contract status. Uh, Joe from Voices of Wrestling has done a lot of tremendous work digging into that, and it's really hard to report this stuff because some, sometimes when sources are telling you stuff and you've you know verified it as far as you can. You're not it's not always going to turn out to be the case. There's a lot of moving parts to this thing. Plans could change. Uh, you could be reporting stuff that has been speculated on or suggested, but doesn't turn out to be the case. Like, you know, remember we were talking about Jay White, the fact that WWE were interested in him. And, you know, you report that and then people are saying, oh, these are the clowns that say Jay's definitely going to WWE. And it turns into a whole game of telephone where it's nothing like what you reported in the first place. But, I mean, certainly from my point of view, I think... There is a, a, you know, journalistic duty to report this stuff. If this is, you know, trusted sources are telling you this stuff, it might not turn out to be the case because, like I said, there's, there's, you know, a lot of things can change in people's situations. It's the same as, you know, reporting on other sports, like uh, football at the moment. There's a player, Mikhail Mudrik, who's been uh, linked with Arsenal at the moment. You know, he might go to Arsenal. He might stay at Shakhtar Donetsk. He might go to Chelsea and... You know, reporting the stuff that's coming out from the clubs, what the clubs are saying, what the player's saying, what his agents are saying, what his owner club are saying, they're all going to be different things and not all of them are going to turn out to be correct. It's not possible for them to all turn out to be correct, but the journalists have a duty to report all the elements of that. And, you know, it's up, up to you, the, the viewer, the, the reader to decide what you make of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in it every day, right? uh with hockey and football and 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 baseball to a certain degree and um you know it's not like they're just throwing shit against the wall and hoping it sticks um you know they we have people they have people that they talk to and we have people that we talk to and um I'm sure other places have you know people that they you know you know Everybody has people that they talk to. Um, uh, It is their duty to do their best to either uh, double check, triple check. um, When, when, not when, that it should be done. Look, how many times have we had been told stuff that we did not talk about on air? A, 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 a decent amount of times, right? Or we would spin it in a way that, um, and, and the Jay White thing is a perfect example of that. Um, but that being said, like I think I I I just I don't know. I don't know. Like I think sometimes people are quick to get things out as opposed to get things right. Um, and that's the world we live in. That's That's I mean, whatever. Um, I, why do I feel like I'm dancing around this? Because it's, I don't know. I'm not look Suzuki goon had contracts. <laughs> I, what do you want from us? <laughs> they had them. <laughs> they had, and they had them the entire tenure there, there. Uh, I mean, for multiple reasons why, um, you know, they they, they did. Um,
3: But again, we don't know when they're expiring. We don't know if if the people involved have accepted uh, and agreed on extensions or new ones or what the details of those contracts were, you know, the the whatever. There's a lot, like I keep saying, a lot of moving parts to this. Right, right.
2: Uh, But, you know, there's, like, the problem is this, is that, Like, if we start talking a little bit more in depth with it, I don't want certain information to get out that I feel like we need to hold back on. Right. And, and, and that might be a disservice to our listeners and like a total dick tease, but, um, I'd rather, I'd rather not give you the whys, uh, as to the Suzuki gun contract stuff. Um, but they, they have, they had contracts for, various reasons um not only from a pro wrestling business perspective how about that they you know guys have contracts
3: so the first major event to take place in new year dash was uh seeming alliance between well first of all Minoru suzuki and el desperado back on the same page and looking like ren narita may join them They came out to help Ren after House of Torture were attacking him. So it looks like there's a possibility of Narita, Suzuki, and Despy taking on House of Torture for maybe the never six-man titles, if not a a full-blown alliance. So I don't know where this one is going to lead. I think, you know, it could be a, a smart way to create some sort of faction and maybe have uh Suzuki position together with Narita and maybe they can have a match at some point. I don't know. It could be Suzuki retirement New Japan match where he loses to Narita and hands over leadership or whatever that faction is to Red Narita. Who knows what it is, but at the moment it's just interesting seeing those three aligned together. Yeah. And but you know
2: let's 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 put a little bit of uh spotlight on the never six man titles finally. Um And I think that would be a fun tag team. If if, if there is, if, 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 you know, we're getting back into a little bit into uh, fire pro wrestling style, which I love. uh, Yeah, let's get, let's, let's, let's see that tag team defend some titles.
3: I'd, I'd be all in on that. Uh, Sticking with the Suzuki guys, we had Doki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Taichi, and Takamichi Noku all appearing together and labeling themselves just four Guys, uh, during that match, Dockey pinned <laughs> Francesco Acura. So we've set up a catch-22 defense of the junior tag titles against Doki and Kanemaru, who also pinned them during the Super Junior Tag League. And it also looks like we're moving towards Will Ospreay versus Taichi. And I think, you know, whatever they're calling this new faction, I think it's a really good move for both Doki and Taichi because it gets Doki away from El Desperado. So Doki has got room to grow as a, a singles junior competitor when he's not doing the tag stuff with Kanemaru. and also Tai Chi, he gets to lead his own faction as well. Even though they're saying, you know, there's no leader, blah, blah, blah. We're not autonomous collective. Uh, not every faction needs to have a main event level lead. I think it's absolutely fine to have mid card factions and Tai Chi. I think that's a decent spot for him to be, you know, the, the Wrestle Kingdom rebound feud for, for the top guys.
2: Yeah. I, I the only thing that I'm a little, he and wishy-washy on is uh you know when we 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 lose one faction and you know me and my factions uh and now we have what three new ones <laughs> just like oh, who's gonna keep track of all this nonsense um but yeah uh hopefully it does hopefully it's not a thing where all four of them kind of sink to the bottom and definitely don't want that to happen but um Yeah, I don't know if I'm super excited about the uh, four-man group or whatever the fuck, four guys or whatever the fuck they're calling
3: them. Rob says, now that Takatachi Mania is no more, do you see a future with these guys getting a job on the booking panel? I feel like the praise these shows got could be used in undercard feuds, especially if they control the booking for just four guys, TMDK and Suzuki-gun 2. I don't know about that. I think these guys like to have their autonomy and their independence so they can go off and do their sleazy Grimy shit that they like to do beyond the, the remit of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I can't necessarily see any of these guys walking into the booking committee of New Japan.
2: Um, I mean, I don't even know if they are already, right? Maybe having some influence on at the very least their own programs. Um, I mean, the only person, I mean, not the only person, but. Of those guys, who would you say would have the the best chance?
3: Probably Taka, I can absolutely see – I was going to say Kanemaru Um, having some sort of involvement in the booking of the junior division for sure. Right. Maybe they don't want to give Taka that position of power because that might not be a good look. I don't know. Yeah, I think if there's anything involving Taka, it will be very hush-hush after his uh, recent shenanigans.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but again, he, we're talking guys with years of experience, so I wouldn't be surprised if they already have a a, a small word
3: in that. But we'll see. Okay, we also had uh, TMDK challenging Bishamon for the heavyweight tag team titles. We've got Tomohiro Ishii challenging Zach for the tv title we had zach sabre jr recruiting uh fujita to tmdk uh derek says what do you think tmdk is going to do with their new ring boy uh i suspect he's going to be there as a pin eater for tag matches but who knows i mean either way it's quite exciting we're seeing a definite change of direction we, we talked about the directive from bushiro to get the guys uh onto the main roster faster than they have done previously we're seeing stuff like kevin knight getting graduated in graduated in the middle of a tour, and now Fridges are getting graduated in the middle of a show. You know, this is unprecedented. Right. We've never seen anything like this before.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah, Like, if you wanted change, you wanted new things, you wanted new faces, well, they're doing a good job of doing that. Uh, absolutely. Um, it may not be everything that you like, but you can't fault them for not trying, that's for sure
3: uh we also had yo pitting hirobu and uh, it so looks like he's going to be the next challenge for the junior title and Naito and Shota Umino continuing their beef together yeah a big sigh from you <laughs> i mean look it's yo i mean let's see let's see if he's learned
2: anything let's see let's see if he uh has uh found a uh, a little bit of charisma that maybe uh was left over from the tag team uh fingers crossed
3: And then we also have Jay White challenging Hikuleo to a loser leaves Japan match. So Hmm. I mean, of course, there've been all the rumours about Jay White possibly going to WWE in the past. We know that they're interested, and now we're hearing stuff from Sean Rossap that WWE are interested in Hikuleo, as you touched on earlier. So you know, now we've got an explanation for that terrible match in Sendai uh, between Carl Anderson and Hikuleo. That was Carl teaching Hikuleo the the Monday Night Raw house style. (laughs) Uh, so Antonio says, hey guys, back with the questions since you guys are not on the Scoops, first question. Who do you guys think is leaving New Japan, Jay White or Hikuleo? In regards says, what number will Jay White be in the Royal Rumble? Paola says, do you think the loser-leaves Japan match is intended to give Jay a clear path out of New Japan? And Derek says, if Jay White leaves New Japan, what do you think happens to Bullet Club? So, Jay versus Hikuleo, loser-leaves Japan, what do you think is the end game with that? <sighs> It was like a coin flip at this point. It really feels like it, and
2: and here is the thing. Again, with, when it comes to Hicaleo, I think everyone, and I and I joke about you know, him being a, a fucking tailor made for WWF and WWE, whatever. Um, I think I think Jay White moving on is the best for everybody. I really do. Um, I think, f- I think working as that
3: um,
2: J White being J white in WWE seems like a really good fit. Doesn't it like, th- doesn't it feel like he would just fucking thrive in that environment? Um, so if I'm a betting man, I'm putting some. I'm putting some money on Jay White losing. I'm also putting some money on maybe uh, that's what gets like Jay White loses because Bullet Club fucked him over, right? Um, and maybe that's the, that, that's the end of our show when it comes to Jay White's involvement in Bullet Club. Um,
3: but I don't know I'm fucked over you. by new leader L. P. Oh. or Kenta oh. uh,
2: I, I mean again I think that's that would be I think that would benefit everybody I really do I, I think it would benefit everybody Um, Jay gets to go back to the states gets to uh, you know he's a, a citizen or at least he has a green card at this point um, he's got a lovely piece of property, lovely, lovely partner that he, uh, that he, uh, tends the ground to, uh, I think that's the best way to go. I think it's, I think that's the, and not that I know that's the way they're going, but if, if, if you're asking my heart, what I think is going to happen, I think that's what's going to happen.
3: The suspicious, the, the cynic in me is wondering if that hicklow to WWE thing was leaked by New Japan to try and create a bit of uncertainty around the outcome of the match. That,
2: the that's not a bad idea, you know, if really, if, you, if they wanted to do that. Um, and and it's not like that doesn't happen in all sports where agents or management or whatever will will do that to kind of push the narrative to a certain way. Um, I, w- I would not be surprised, right? Would not be surprised if that's the case. But that being said, I, I, WWE would, would 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 fucking get a boner over Hikaleo.
3: Uh, we also looked like we're heading towards ELP being Tabatonga's next challenger for the never-overweight title. And just a little moment where ELP and Kenta seemed a little bit reluctant to do the suit too sweet with Jay White. Uh it looks like Kenta versus Tanahashi is going to be another direction. But yeah, just keep an eye on that ELP Kenta thing. Because I've been saying it for a very, very long time. It would not shock me if ELP takes over as leader of the Bullet Club. I think he would be a great fit for that. He's already established himself as a a semi-credible heavyweight at this point. We know he can he can do it. He can talk. He's got the look. And I think the company uh pretty high on him. So if Jay does leave, my money would be on ELP taking over.
2: Yep. I think that's the uh odds are in your favor on that one, yeah. Uh,
3: Also, we had the KOPW four-way match, so Shingo beat Yano Okada and Sho. I didn't really care for the match, to be honest, it's just a bit too silly for my liking, and so Shingo has won KOPW yet again, despite saying he's not interested in it, and he wasn't going to compete for it. Now, the interesting thing is that he has challenged because he's got Okada, and I don't know if this is a way for them to get rid of KOPW, because, you know, they've got a lot of new titles now, so, it would be a bit strange to do that very shortly after debuting the new title belt for the KOPW. But who knows? It's it's difficult to keep track of all this stuff.
2: No one fucking cares. <laughs> Come on. Really? No one cares. Like, this is something that it would be very – and here's the thing. It's not even a, a thing where, well, it gives guys something to do. No. It does. Uh, no one cares. Stop it. Let's, let's just Let's just fucking <laughs> – let's put a bullet in this one, please
3: okay well how about this cactus max says if jay does exit japan should shingo be positioned as the number one heel it will be a fresh direction for him and he excelled as one for dragon gate and wrestling dad says is it time to give shingo his own faction and leave lij if so who do you think would be fitting in his group
2: um i don't think he's i don't, i i i mean look he's he's tremendous he's one of my favorite wrestlers but that's i don't know if that that'll happen um no, I I just don't see a scenario where that happens.
3: Uh, the last big takeaway from New Year Dash was seeing the dream team of Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada teaming up to beat the team of uh, Aaron Hunari and Jeff Cobb. So afterwards, we had Jeff Cobb challenging Kenny Omega to a U.S. title match, probably in AEW. But how cool was it seeing Kenny and Okada teaming together?
2: It's pretty. It was pretty cool. Like it was very cool. Uh, they do their little belts every, you know, he's, Kenny's looking at the, uh, the, the world title. And so there's a little, little, little play back and forth. But, um, yeah, I mean, t- I don't think anybody walked into Dash thinking they were going to see that. Um, so that did make for a nice little close and a nice little surprise. That's for sure.
3: And we also have a card now for Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama Arena. This is Saturday, January 21st. So we have Kosei Fujita and Ryohei Oiwa against Taishi Ozawa and Yatsutaka Yano. Oscar Loiba and Tomohiro Ishii against Daiki Inaba and Masa Kitamiya. Takashi Sugura, Satoshi Kojima, Toriano, and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Gedo, El Phantasma, Kenta, and Naomichi Marifuji. El Desperado versus Yohei. Master Wato, Ryusuke Takuchi, Taika Mask against Alejandro, Junta, Miyawaki and Amakusa. Togi Makame and Kazuchika Okada against Yoshiki Inamura and Kaito Kiyomiya. And the interesting, the top end of the card is all Los Ingo Bonaparte vs. against Congo. We've got five singles matches. We've got Bushi versus Tadasuke, Hiromu Takahashi vs. Hajime Ohara, Sanana versus Marabu Soya, Shigo Takagi versus Katsuhiko Nakajima, and main event Tetsuya Naito versus Kendo. What do you think of that card? Um,
2: hmm. I don't know if like those, those the five matches that you just, just rattled off. Um, I think all of them will be decent to very good. Some have a chance to be incredible. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Truth be told, like I'm not, I'm not super worked up over it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. This is not going to be on New Japan World. Yeah, I think it will
3: be pay per view first. How many buys do you think this thing's getting? Uh, I don't know. I mean, for the casual fan, it's, be a it's time. only you know relatively hardcore pro wrestling fans like us who you know is aware of people like Nakajima and Keno. and those two matches are, are pretty sexy for me. Shingo versus yeah. Nakajima, Naito versus Keno. I I love those, and I will plonk down my money just to see those two. But I don't know, outside of the you know perverts like us, how much reach that's going to have. You know, for, for the average US wrestling fan, I don't think. It's going to be something that they're going to think, oh, I've got to see this one. Yeah, I mean, now again,
2: unless it turns into something that's spectacular, people will go out of their way to watch. But yeah, you got to be a pretty hardcore pro wrestling fan, or you know, if you're a Noah fan, like a, like a, I mean, this probably has a lot of interest. I don't know. Um, the, those matches sound good. I just don't know if this is positioned right to be
3: something that a
2: lot of people are going to get into. The masses are going to this, get
3: is, into. this is not for the foreign fans. I think this is for Japanese fans. I think amongst, from the conversations I've had with Manabu, he thinks that Yokohama Show is going to sell out. He thinks Japanese fans really like the idea of New Japan versus Noah. So, you know, from our perspective, then, yeah, maybe it's something that is it's not necessarily going to land with a lot of casual fans. But I think for... Japanese fan interest this is a big draw probably
2: probably and again for for people who travel to Japan for pro wrestling yes absolutely um again i just worry about maintaining the riding that momentum right riding that momentum um and this is probably a good way to do that for for a japanese fan base absolutely but i just worry a little bit about uh others Kind of hopping on that bandwagon, uh,
3: John Hernandez here from Voices Wrestling says, Do you think Naito might drop the main event to Keno? Hiromu and Shingo likely can't lose, and it doesn't make sense to send Nakajima and Keno out there to lose back to back. I will say this I will just ask you all to remember who New Japan Pro Wrestling gave up for pinfalls at this event last yep. year. Yep, it was Gedo, Takamichinoku, Dick Togo, and Kanamaru. Yeah, so. When it comes to working with other Japanese promotions, New Japan don't always play nice. Yeah. So whilst to me it would make sense for Keno, who is extremely funny to me, he's a, a very angry PE teacher, it would make sense for him to beat Naito, and then maybe Naito goes to Noah to get his win back. It would not shock me to see New Japan dominating uh, across the whole card. I mean, they'll, they'll throw out a few people. You can see just from you know the, the names I listed off who is likely to be dropping force for New Japan. But... Shingo and, uh, well, one of Shingo, it wouldn't shock me if Shingo and Naito both won. I think Naito could lose, and if I were booking it, maybe I think that would be the more interesting option, but would New Japan see it that way? Don't know. Right, and it really depends upon what the future holds,
2: right? Do they plan to have other shows with Noah? Then yes, it would be perfect sense for for Naito to look at the lights. Absolutely. Uh, But if this is just a one-off show... And based off of New Japan's past track record when it comes to these type of things, yeah, I think I, – I can't imagine there
3: being too many surprises. Let's put it that way. All right. We do have quite a lot of questions about sort of general things we're excited about for 2023, but I will save them for next week. So next week, we'll take those questions, and we will do our year-end awards. So we will leave it for this week. and. I will direct you, dear listener, to redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to show your appreciation for the podcast by making a monetary contribution that is always appreciated. As we said, we don't have the time or the inclination to do Patreon and extra content and stuff like that. Neither of us are interested in doing extra stuff or, or putting the main show behind a paywall, so this is always going to be free. But again, if you like what we do and you want to show some love for us, then we, we always appreciate some Donations thrown away and that's where you could do that. Uh, Discord link. If you want to join our community, you can send me a direct message on Twitter. Uh, you know, from time to time, you might get little treats like me and Damon and Boost doing live commentary to shows, which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that. If you want to buy one of our t-shirts, you can go to at Cobra Kawaii on Twitter or prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast. Big thank you to our editor, Dan, who you can find on Twitter at Lousy Hero 219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at TheSuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Hello.
2: about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.